0: Folks, it's here. Finally, after everything, and a national championship was great. Do not get me wrong about that, but football is here. The SEC kickoff starts today. Lane Kiffen starts the process of talking about Jackson Dart and Luke Altmaier every single day for about 60 days. This is the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast.
1: You are locked on Ole Miss.
0: Daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis, at the Stephen Willis on Twitter. You can see it right there. Follow it, I commentate on all kinds of stuff. I kind of just speak my mind and do whatever I want to do. But I like to have fun and I post a lot about Ole Miss because I... Really, most care about Ole Miss and what they're doing. So, if you want some Ole Miss information, yeah, it's going to be right there. Also, um, we'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn helps you find candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com/slash-locked-on-college. Terms and conditions apply. And also, thanks for making the Lockdown on this podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. We're trying to get to 2,000 subscribers before the Troy game. If we have that, we're going to do a pregame show. Um, so do us a favor. If you haven't subscribed, please do. If you have, please tell a friend. Either way, um, let's get that done. We're kind of on track right now. We've done 250 subscriptions in the last two weeks. If we do 250 more, this next week, two weeks is the toughest part. If we hit 250 more... Um, We'll be on track because I think we're going to be able to hit um, 500 in August, personally. And I think our um, fall practice coverage will handle that. Anyway, SEC kickoff, SEC media days, actually starts today. It's here, folks. We've made it. So now I get to spend the next better part of about 60 days talking about Luke Altmaier versus Jackson Darton. And I am not complaining one bit. I am so... So fired up at the prospect of this. And you look at these two quarterbacks, they're two completely different quarterbacks. Everybody's like, what is a Lane Kiffin-style quarterback? You know, whenever he recruits and brings people in. And you see all these different players. And it goes, goes to the point, it's not really measurables of what he looks for. I think he looks for competitiveness. I think he looks for um, Moxie a little bit. I think he looks for a slightly mobile person. I think Blake Sims changed him a little bit there. Because at Tennessee and USC, if you remember what the quarterbacks looked like way back then, those those were kind of different-looking animals. He had a style that was in mind for what he wanted to do. But after Alabama, he went through his whole, like, what – Let's bring Alabama's offense into the future. Can you research this and get this done? And even started with Blake Sims and Jake Coker and some fairly, I'm not going to say average quarterbacks, but he made elite performances out of um, what should be average quarterbacks. They probably ended up being pretty good. Alabama doesn't really sign bad quarterbacks, but you get my point. And then the good ones started coming, and he recruited them in. Um, The Jalen Hurts, who went to Tua Tonga-Maloa, who went to Mac Jones. All of those were recruited by Lane Kiffin. Now, my point there is Lane Kiffin recruited those three, three guys for his offense and what he needed. They're not the same guy. They're not even remotely the same guy. So whenever you have a situation where Luke Altmaier and Jackson Dart are competing for the quarterback spot, it's going to look different. They're different quarterbacks, so the offense is going to be different with Jackson Dart as the quarterback than it would with the Luke Altmaier as the quarterback. That is the beauty behind this offense. Even if you go back to Ford Atlantic, and there was a year two where they had a quarterback issue, we'll say that's the one year it didn't really work out. And Lane Kiffin's recent tenure, but if you look at Jeff Driscoll, not Jeff Driscoll. um I think his last name was Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll went to Ford. I think it was his brother played quarterback. He was more of a runner. He was more like a honestly a John Rice Plumlee type quarterback, and that is one of the reasons. Whenever we did boot camp the offense, we were a little bit fooled on where this um could go because he did that. He was successful. He won ten games and won a conference title with that style of quarterback. The next year. They tried to do some different things, and it didn't really work out. Then Brian Robeson comes in, who was a Matt Corral-type quarterback. They win 10 games, conference game, he gets the Ole Miss job. So you have two quarterbacks that was like the John Rice and the Matt Corral. And it's another example of how his system does not have a certain type of quarterback. Like I said, it's not anything wrong with it. It, 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 Whoever can get first downs, whoever can complete passes, whoever can make plays will win the job. That's the important thing for people to remember. There are people that stylistically have a favorite type of quarterback. There are people that root above all for quarterbacks and will absolutely poo-poo on the starter if their guy doesn't win the job. And there's people that actually do that because I don't know why they do that, but they do. It's like you have to pick a team, you have to ride or die with that team, and if it goes, you have to fight against the other way. That That's kind of the way society is now. But I tell people all the time, whoever wins this quarterback job is going to make Ole Miss better. Whoever wins this job Ole Miss is going to be better for them playing quarterback. So, if you are rooting for the other guy, or if you said that you think the other guy was going to win the job, it's, it's kind of a you-need-to-get-over-it type situation. Because whoever wins this job is going to make the Ole Miss team better. Absolutely. And... You have Jackson Dart, who is the Brett Favre-type quarterback. He has a chance to make this offense run, and I think the ceiling is higher with him playing quarterback. But the floor is also lower with him playing quarterback. So you have to make sure his head is absolutely on straight after spring. Everything looks good. He's doing what he's supposed to do, and then we can see what happens. He might be a gamer, but... Can you risk him not being a gamer if he's not performing in practice? That's an important thing to take into account. Luke Altmaier, we saw him get comfortable against the best defense that we faced last year. No doubt. In two games that Luke Altmaier had significant snaps in, he went against Derek Mason and Auburn and Baylor with Dave Aranda and Ron Roberts, defensive coordinator. Nothing to sneeze at. And there was actually a point in the third quarter when you thought, oh my gosh, this kid is getting it together. He's figuring out what he needs to do. In that Sugar Bowl, Matt Corral gets hurt. They weren't expecting Matt Corral to get hurt. So they had to thrust Luke Haltmeyer in. There was no game plan for Luke Altmaier. There was no plan at all for Luke Altmeyer to play. You didn't know what was on. So in the second quarter, whenever he went in, it was about survival. That's all it was. It was just about survival. At halftime, they went in and they were able to figure out some plays that Luke was comfortable with. Luke told them, hey, we can do this, this, and this, and I, I feel pretty good about it. Jeff Levy was like, okay. Lane Kiffin was like, okay. And they put those in there, and they did that. In the third quarter, Luke Altmaier actually looked good. He did. I mean, you can't really say anything about it. The problem is, I would like to say, we were playing against the best defense we played against last year. Because in the fourth quarter, Dave Aranda made adjustments to what the offense was doing and was able to swing the pendulum back a little bit. It's a true freshman, not enough playing time. They didn't game plan. He didn't have a lot of reps during um, the bowl practice. For all of that in considering, Luke Altmaier did a fantastic job against the best defense we would see. At the same time, Jackson Dart was coming on at the end of the season with USC. USC ended up finishing four and eight. Now, I'm the type of person that honestly believes that there is a swag element in our society. And that is, it doesn't matter if you win or if it's successful. It's just that if you look good doing it. If it looks cool doing it. And Jackson Dart really came on last year with USC. And I am not poo-pooing him at all. But USC did go 4-8 with a true freshman quarterback. In the weaker Pac-12, Pac-10, I don't even know what it's going to be called. It might be merged into the Big 12 by the time you watch this. Who knows? But I need to know that there's there there with Jackson Dart. And this fall practice is going to be important for that. Now, I like both the kids. I think they bring a ton of stuff to the table, and both of which, if their head's on right, can run this offense and do it effectively. This is not like Chad Kelly versus Ryan Buchanan and Devontae Kincaid in 2015, whenever they wanted us to believe there was a quarterback competition. No, this is a real one. And people should not discount either candidate at this point right now coming into fall it's about the same gap as it was with jackson dart and everything coming into spring luke altmeyer was able to perform enough to where luke altmeyer did not lose any ground in the spring practice now i will also say this jackson dart had been here two and a half three weeks he was still learning his way around to Oxford. He was still going to class. He was still trying to meet everybody. It was a quick, quick turnaround. Because by the time he got in there and actually started doing it, it was probably the first week in February. Spring practice started about four weeks later. It was a quick turnaround. And because of that, every 18 year old kid is going to struggle doing, doing that. It's just the way it is. But I see signs of hope with both quarterbacks. We are going to follow them for essentially the next 60 days. We figure game two or game three will be about the time that it's done. You might have him go out against Troy and just absolutely light it up and it'll be over, but we're not anticipating that. Not during this non-conference slate. Not with Kentucky sitting there in game five. So we're going to talk about this nearly every day. For the next two months. If that upsets you. I mean you can skip over it. Honestly. But we're going to talk about it. Because it's important. And and every video that talks about that. On YouTube. Gets about 400 more views. Than videos that don't. So people obviously want to learn about it. Obviously. Wants to take it to the next level. Anyway. take a short break here and tell you about LinkedIn College. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond on the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. That's about 10% of the world's population, by the way. Then add your job, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, then spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs, number one, in delivering quality hires and leading com- versus leading competitors. So this is what I want you to do. Go to LinkedIn jobs and let it help you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. All right. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most starting July 18th? That's today. Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Online. It's available starting today on July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcast and YouTube. So, that is a pretty cool thing, by the way. Also, thanks for making the Locked On this podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Do not forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. You can say whatever you want to say. Just give us a five-star review. We would appreciate it. So, in the first segment, we talked all about the quarterback competition because we wanted to talk about the quarterback competition. We're going to have a short segment here, and we're going to talk about SEC kickoff and – how that is expected to go. And then we have Chris Childers coming next segment. Um, We put him out early over the weekend. There'll be a replay. You can enjoy it. Getting ready for SEC Media Days um, with him talking realignment and the like. Anyway, so Lane Kiffin, Cedric Johnson, Nick Broker, and Jonathan Mingo are in Atlanta today for SEC Media Days. Um, I'm going to try and find some stuff. I'm going to put it up for you. Um, as this goes on but it should be a really cool thing for you guys Um, and we're gonna try and grow this and get ready for football season and like I said tell a friend if you've already subscribed if you haven't please do because you know this is kind of an important kind of a big deal we want to get to honestly 3,000 subscribers by the end of the year that is a hard goal Um, but we want to do that anyway we started thinking, it was like, what does the media want SEC Media Days to be about? What are the five things the media want SEC Media Days to be about? And it, whenever you sit here and looking, it's like, hey, I'm. Is it going to be about my team? Is it going to be about me wanting this? Is it going to be anything? No, nothing is going to come out of SEC Media Days that is anything really related to your team. If it does, it's a bad thing. I think last year Texas A&M leaked that Texas and Oklahoma was coming in. A few years ago, um, Hugh Freeze got um, pounded um, in 2016 or maybe 2017. I don't, I'm not 100% real sure. Um, when it was, I think it was 2017, media days. He got really paid and ended up losing his job, gave up $18 million, the whole nine yards. So there's stuff that happens on top of what everybody goes in hoping for. The media, I think, in this one, has five things that they want to talk about. Number one, they want to talk about realignment. So they're going to ask all the coaches and all the players about realignment, period. Um, They want to know because there's rumors all over the place uh, about North Carolina and Virginia and Clemson and Florida State and Miami and all of this in the ACC. All of this stuff in our region of the country. So these reporters want to talk about it. Second, I think they want to talk about Jimbo versus Nick Saban. I know that sounds like five years ago but they are going to try and stoke that rivalry a little bit. It's going to sound like a press junket on America's Sweethearts. We talk four or five times a day, sometimes for hours. You know, we're such good friends on and off the camera. That that type stuff is going to happen, and I think that's the way they're going to handle us days many days. But they want to talk about that, and they want to ask all the coaches what they think about that, and especially Lane Kiffin. Third, I think they want to talk about NIL. They want the Quotes from everybody, probably except Jimbo, Nick, and Lane Kiffin, because they've got those about name and image and likeness in college football right now. Fourth, the transfer portal, and I think the media views the transfer portal as a dirty word still, the same way they used to view Bill Sm- Bill Snyder back in the 2000s and 90s, the Michael Bishop Kansas State teams, and teams that were largely built off of JUCOs because it was there. Um, thing that you couldn't build off JUCOs. You couldn't do that. You had to do it this way for it to be the right way, and anything else is cutting corners. So they kind of viewed that um, Bill Snyder was cutting corners um, building his teams. But those, those Michael Bishop teams were legit, by the way. And when will the transfer portal become less of a dirty word? Because that's the way... They look. If you look at the way teams project that Lane Kiffin's season is going to go, a lot of it depends on what they think of the transfer portal. And you will see this whenever um, they do their SEC West predictions at the end of SEC Media Days. And Ole Miss will probably be everywhere from fifth to second, depending on who, who it is and what they think about the transfer portal. So we really need to hash out what the transfer portal means. And, of course, the last thing they want to make the SEC Media Days about is them. Um, anything that will make it media, you've, you already saw the pregame before SEC, SEC kickoff. The, the, it just isn't like it used to be. Well, yeah, it's not supposed to be like it used to be. It's about the fans now. It's not about the media. It's the reason they call it SEC kickoff instead of SEC Media Days. They're trying to rebrand this, put all the press conferences on the SEC network, Everything for everybody to see. It's for the fans. Bring it directly to the fans. And um, that's a really important thing. If, if it's a little bit harder for you, that's not their problem because they're getting more worth by making this a television event on the SEC network. That's just the way it is. All right. Before we um, talk to Chris, we're going to talk to Chris Childers in just a second. I do want to let you know. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all the sport latest sports developments, league news, and reviews, including this year's um, NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. NHL playoffs is that over, by the way. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. If you're interested, Ole Miss is like a 21.5-point favorite over Troy, and also they're predicted to win 7.5 games in the regular season. If you disagree with any of those, you can kind of put your money with your mouth mouth, it is, and do the bet online thing and actually just wager it out. Anyway, bet online where the game starts. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first. Listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including iTunes. Do not forget to rate and review us on iTunes. You can say whatever you want to say. Just make sure it's a five-star review. You can talk about how I am braggadocious and I'm just completely full of it, but I have really great guests. And by that, I have Chris Childers from Full Ride on SiriusXM joining us on the show today. How are you doing, Chris?
1: I'm doing great, buddy. How are you?
0: Man, I'm doing fantastic. I saw some pictures recently of you taking a European soccer tour. Uh, How was that? How was that? It
1: was everything I ever hoped and dreamed that it would be. I mean, you you and I have known each other for a while, and you're kind of instrumental in my learning about the Premier League and, and being able to go over there and live it and experience just that atmosphere. Like, I cannot tell people enough As great as college football is, the atmosphere there for pro football is better. It's Mm. just like all-encompassing, wow, for 90 minutes, you're just like, holy crap, I want to live here so I can experience this all the time. Uh, It was magical. It really was. I cannot wait to get back. And strangely enough, I've become an Arsenal supporter through the whole thing, I know, which is we're rivals now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have to take opinions and say things um, at Crossways. (laughs) So, all right, whenever you came back, all hell broke loose. UCLA and USC decided they were going to do the Big Ten. The Pac-12 might um, dissolve. The Big 12 might take them up. Tell me a little bit what you're hearing from all the conversations you've had over the last couple weeks.
1: Yeah, it's been crazy. Yeah. you know, essentially it's coming down to two leagues. It's becoming an NFC, AFC kind of system. I think there is room for these other conferences to exist, the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12 in some form. But I think what's going on is, you know, if you look at the NFL, they are giving their um, the Sunday ticket deal to, um, what is it, Apple or Amazon? I think it's Apple for $3 billion dollars. Now think about that that's like Mm -hmm. secondary television like they've already paid for the rights that's three billion dollars on top espn fox are starting to realize what they have they can create this sunday enterprise on saturdays Mm
0: -hmm. so they're
1: creating these mega leagues oklahoma texas to the sec usc ucla to the big ten and i doubt we're done there when it comes to those two conferences but really what the networks are doing, they understand what this is. This is valuable stuff. We live in a world where everybody watches television now a la carte, they stream. The only thing people are watching live are sports. So this is to a network, this is bullion. This is really important. And the fact that, you, I, the reason I mentioned the NFL money, 3 billion, is because if you compare it to college football, These executives are getting this for pennies on the dollar. They're really kind of fleecing college football if you think about it. And the athletic directors are at their mercy and the presidents are at their mercy. But if you compare it to the NFL and the kind of revenue that can be generated from it and is generated from it, I think that's what's moving the needle. This is all about TV networks saying we want to create NFL on Saturdays and they understand the kind of money... Um, That's at stake. Now, I think there's a huge power play here for Notre Dame. Somebody, and I think what's going to end up happening is, is that the Big Ten will add Stanford and Cal, and that will be Notre Dame's, okay, we're in. Because if you add Stanford and USC, and those are their two huge rivals out West, they want to make sure they, they protect on top of the fact that they'd still get to play Purdue, they'd still get to play Michigan, Michigan State, they really get to have their cake and eat it, too. So I think that might be where we're going, is that in Stanford-Cal, you haven't heard a word about them when it comes to the Big 12. So I think that's kind of what's happening behind the scenes, and that could be the big linchpin that pulls Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, and, and the next question would be, what does the SEC do? And is my opinion right now, the SEC doesn't want to move because the next move is going to destroy what college football the way we knew it. Whoever makes the next move is going to do that. And I don't think the SEC wants to be the conference that does that. But after the Big Ten grabs, if they grab Notre Dame and Stanford and do all that, the prettiest girl at the ball is probably North Carolina. Am I not wrong?
1: Yeah, North Carolina is very, very attractive from an academic standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, they're they're a jet they're net they're not going to get left behind. I will tell you that. No matter what happens, no matter where this goes, I highly doubt a brand like North Carolina gets left behind. I think they're the most attractive brand in the ACC. Some people would say, well, what are you talking about? Look at Clemson, look at Florida State. Clemson to me is a Johnny come lately and they've been incredible. But is this whole era of NIL and transfer portal gonna kill Clemson? Because Dabble's not willing to play the game. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, my gut is it probably will. It will set them back. They won't be the program that they've been. But we'll see. You know, maybe he can do it his way and still be competitive. My guess would be no. Florida State's just, you know, Florida State was never the juicy brand, but they were always an incredible football program with Bobby Bowden. From a revenue eyeball standpoint, I'm not sure what the numbers would mean. I'm also not sure what they would mean for Miami. Hmm. So I think Carolina, I think you're absolutely on to it when you mention who's the most attractive from that Who's left? And I think the SEC would love to have them. That's not going to upset any of their membership. That's—I don't know if they'd have a partner come with them, but I think the North Carolina, from an academic athletic standpoint, would only enhance the
0: SEC. Yeah, my idea is the SEC, if they get get North Carolina, they might try to partner them up with Virginia, which and, is and, another
1: academic powerhouse. Mm, like that's mm-hmm. another pool that I think—and it's—I don't know if you've ever been there. It's beautiful, man. It is like—I've yeah, been to Charlottesville. It's almost amazing they lose like because it's like, wow, that place is gorgeous. I, I would love to play football there. Um, I could see that. And those together are both I, – I think academics matter in this. I do. And especially in the Big Ten, they're really high on that, that American institution, whatever it is, the AAU or whatever, something or other. Yeah. Um, and I know that matters to them, which is why Stanford and Cal certainly are attractive there. But North Carolina has a lot of value. And I think Virginia – certainly for the same reasons, maybe not quite the same athletic panache, but they're a school that you like to have a part of your group. There's no question about it.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think everybody, like the Big Ten has always done academics and they always say, well, they prefer academics over the SEC. Well, if you look at the SEC, Oklahoma, Texas, Florida, Georgia, it's, yeah. it's kind of quietly become an improved academic conference. And that's not even to mention Vanderbilt.
1: 100 percent and it would only add if you add a north carolina Mm -hmm. if you add programs like that i mean i think those days of people knocking the academics in the southeast have got to be over Mm -hmm. i i really think with the football and what we've seen from an sec perspective and just the dominance i think it's been invested in the universities and i think kids from all over the country are going to these schools more than ever i i cannot tell you how many times i've had conversations with kids that are from my neck of the woods in uh, suburban chicago that are going to alabama mm-hmm. like they're going to alabama a lot like kids from chicago i never would have thought that 20 years ago when i was going to college but that's the power of the football mm-hmm. that's the power of the brand and with that you can increase what you charge people to come uh from out of state you can increase uh certainly the academic standards and all of a sudden you got yourself a pretty damn good school and yeah, I it- think throughout the uh, southeastern part of the country
0: yeah, and that's why presidents are so willing to let TV networks take control and do what they want to do because it, this is essentially a three-hour commercial that they put on every Saturday, and every game is televised.
1: And why wouldn't she? That's the thing. I mean, I, I've talked to people from overseas. Hmm. For example, there was a golfer that I talked to from LSU who um, was from Australia, and he visited the Southeast for the first time, and he's like, "I have to come here. I have to go to school here. I have to be a part of what this is like." You just don't get this any any other place like college football is wonderful in other parts of the country the big ten there's certain pockets you know you'll have a great time at an ohio state game you'll have a great time at a michigan game but it's not true for all member institutions it's just different in the sec and people are gravitating to that they see what happens on saturdays and they say i want to tailgate i want to be a part of the parties i want to rush the fraternity that, you know, wears their Sunday best to the football stadium on Saturdays, which is never even heard of in the Midwestern part of the country. I mean, you wear T-shirts and jeans to a football game. Um, it's remarkable. And I think really just the exposure of it and the fact that, like you said, there's three-hour commercials on CBS, on ESPN, every second on the SEC network, all corners of the globe see that. They see where it's sexy in college athletics and they want to come be a part of that, whether that's being a student athlete or just a regular student.
0: Yeah. And Chris, man, thank you very much for um, coming by and talk to us. We were going to talk about the season. We'll get to that um, another time. Hopefully you'll come on, but um, I appreciate it, Chris.
1: Invite me anytime.
0: All right. Have a good day, bud.
1: See ya.